And here we go on our series as we look at all these things that seem to be changing and make us go, is this hanging around? Is this the new way? You know, are we safe here? Look what happened in the the ferry, the crashing in the ferry. There's going to be an investigation. And you can pile it on just about everything that we look at and go, you know, we, we thought we could count on that. And now we're not so sure. Here we are. There's more rain in the forecast that's coming. And over the weekend, it was really, really incredible how much water fell. So much so, the flooding, there were people seeing kayaking in places that used to be dry, dry land. And there were all these reports of just serious, serious flooding in the greater Toronto area. Joining us is Jennifer Drake, who is an associate professor in smart, healthy and sustainable communities and environments at Carleton University and also in civil and environmental studies. I think I already said that. Uh, Jennifer Drake, good evening. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. How serious is this? I mean, we've seen it before. We know the areas that, that the cities used in and around used to flood, and now we're seeing it in a different capacity. I mean, it has been a wet summer. It was wet the summer before and kind of wet with thunderstorms the summer before. And the amount of rain that is falling so very, very quickly, it makes us look around and say, are we ready for this? Well, urban flooding is a problem around the globe. And um, in fact, flood vulnerable areas are actually growing at a higher rate than non-flood vulnerable areas. So every country, every region, every city you go to, urban flooding is a ongoing and increasing challenge. It is, but it's growing and should we be paying more attention to it? You know, we often look at our infrastructure that hasn't been updated in so long and it was a concern when it was a mild problem. Are we vulnerable in certain areas? We definitely are. There are, you know, especially in the GTA or, or any community that's grown, like it's a really old area. You know, some of our urban areas were built before we kind of understood weather patterns and also just the way a river is going to respond or how much water will actually occur from time to time. And so we built place infrastructures in areas that were risky without realizing that that's what was happening. So that's an issue that a legacy issue that, you know, we continue to deal with. But I think a lot of people are actually surprised that they don't realize we expect or we don't design our infrastructure to control for all levels of flooding. And um, some floods like we see on in Brampton um, on the weekend where you see a street sort of flooded for a period of hours, that is actually intended. Um, and we haven't built infrastructure to you know absorb that amount of water. We've actually sort of done the cost and decided that we're going to live with that risk. We're going to live with the risk. Is it getting, I mean, we saw this in certain parts. I mean, we saw it after Hurricane Katrina, did we not? And there was all those deep dives on the warnings and how much money should be spent. And they decided they were going to live with the risk. And look what happened. Are there decisions to be made here about whether another way has to be moving forward? Definitely. I mean, I think we we need to, you know, recognize where we can mitigate risks, what investment or actions can we do, and that where risks are present and it, it's going to be impossible to eliminate entirely, 
we need to really make sure that residents understand the risks that are there and then also you know what kind of proactive or reactive measures they should do so you know how you can protect your yourself how you can protect your home how you can protect your belongings if you live in a flood vulnerable area so i mean there's a real dilemma here jennifer and in lots of places this is happening all across canada there's it and america there's a debate whether or not people should even live in these flood areas yeah and i mean i think when we have an area that's historic and developed there's it's a possibility to continue to live you just need to make sure that people know what to do um in the case of event i mean we live in areas that have tornadoes we live in areas that have volcano uh, volcanoes or earthquakes or fires you know uh, we all live with risks from natural hazards. Uh, it's just making sure that we have communication mechanisms in place, first responders, and uh, practices to basically mitigate and protect people when it's most important. Well, a lot of those things are stress right now, so they, they don't appear to be the answer. And I did want to ask you, you know, as as we look at this, is is this just about, okay, I'm flooding and I got to get out of here and then I got to know how to rebuild and pump up my basement? Or are there things that we can do in our infrastructure that will handle the water in a better way? Can we make the water go away more quickly? You know, I think trying to make the water go away more quickly is what's gotten us into the problem in the first place. Um, because that really isn't replicating the natural pathways of water. And mm. what we've learned over time is Mother mm. Nature normally has her way. Um, and so what we need to do is, uh, you know, in some cases, look at infrastructure where we can renaturalize things. So the construction for the renaturalization of the mouth of the dawn is a, a huge example of that. When that project's completed, it's going to protect the, the east lands, the lands to the east um, from flooding, and it's going to allow us to actually build new homes for people. Um, so in some cases, yeah, there's big capital, big infrastructure, capital B and capital I that can be can be done to make things safer. But the other thing is also, you know, having programs in place so that we are at the homeowners level doing things that are going to protect, uh, like uh, backflow prevention, downspout disconnections, um, making people uh, have power, backup power, uh, say for their sump pumps so that they have the infrastructure in their home that's going to protect their personal property and also um, have practices in place. So if you see a catch basin that's blocked in the winter with ice, yeah. knowing that that's something that actually could cause flooding on your streets um, so that, you know, you need to call 311 or have that addressed so that your street is protected. You know, the first time I heard that, I have to confess something. I'm walking through the streets of Toronto. When I see one blogged, especially in the spring, I take my boot or I take a stick and I unclog it because I did hear that if everybody did that and made sure... It would help a lot. <laughs> it would help a lot. I think that's one of the most important things we could get out there. And I'm so glad it's still important. I do do it. And I, I, you know, I do. If you no, you're see. doing your part. <laughs> I am. I'm a bit addicted to it. Every time I see it, I go, it's clogged and then I'll walk by and then I come back and I just thought of it as you said that Jennifer Drake thank you so much for joining us and boy we got a lot of realities to face up to it's not going away thank you thank you so much have a good evening
Jennifer Drake is Associate Professor in Civil and Environmental Studies at Carleton University. It's true. I don't know. Have you ever heard that? And you, if you put it in your head, you you shouldn't forget it. And it would make a massive difference, they said, if people just went around with sticks and stuff and opened them up. And that would mean all the, all the water can drain away. See? We are. We are community. Don't go away. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Arlene Bond, and this is On Point.